This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you, coming to the end of the international break. And what a break it's been. We'll tell you all about that a little bit later. My name's Billy Grant and I'm sitting here, West London, in the Globe pub. I thought, because we've had international break, I'm going to get as near to Griffin Park as possible. So we're in the Globe. We come here a lot, as you probably know, if you're regulars of the podcast, if you, if you know us, sitting in our regular corner here in the besotted den, as they call it. And I'm drinking um, uh, as a vegan home, homebrew. What about That's yourself? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vegan homebrew. Yeah. How about yourself? Uh, a red, some sort of red. Yeah. It's not, it's not vegan though, is it? I don't. No, no, no. <laughs> well, it maybe it is. <laughs> Listen, you've got all sorts of drinks here. Like you know, what I'm saying, if you want some soft drinks, if you want some alcoholic drinks, or if you want some vegan drinks, it's got it all here as well, which is all good. But like I said, I'm Billy Grant, and I'm. Uh, I've had a great couple of weeks away. And some people really hate the international break. They think, ah, oh, not enough football. But uh, I've had loads of football and loads of activity over the international break, which I'll talk about later. How was your vegan burger? Uh, it was all right, actually. It's not too bad, actually. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Last couple of weeks, you know, we've been on the air quite a lot because uh, we had a, a chum of ours down the podcast, down, the, down at the, um, the Red Line in Barnes. Tom the Bee. Tom the Bee came and joined us down the Red Line in Barnes, and uh, he thought, tell you something, let me pop down there because I'm, a, you know, I'm a, a fairly new Brentford fan. I've only been going for about two or three years. You know, and I could chat to these sort of kind of old wizened bees. Idiots. Yeah, and we could talk football. So we got Tom the Bee down there, and we, we did a, an amazing, I'd say. It's great, really good fun. Two hour, pretty much, two and a half hours even. Two, well, three, two, two and a bit hours podcast. You know, split into two parts. The first part, we uh, discussed a couple of matches, the Huddersfield match, and also the Wigan match was upcoming. But we talked about a lot of tactics. And then the second match, we just shot the breeze. I think, I think he learned quite a lot from us, don't you? I think he learned quite a lot from us. Oh, um, and, I mean, we call him Tom the Bee, but what did he call himself? Um, he called himself Thomas Frank. Thomas Frank, the head coach of Brentford. We had him down the pub a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't checked it out, go to prideofwest.london and check it out. It's been really busy. And, and the one thing we'd say is that we... Uh, you know, listen, we've had this lined up for a while. You've probably seen us sort of kind of put it in there and then pull it out, put it in there, pull it out, because we wanted to get the timing right as well. And I think that, 
it was quite a good time because obviously we'd lost uh, a few matches then we won a few matches and so we can actually give a sort of balanced uh, a view and talk to Thomas instead of sort of kind of haranguing because we sort of lost 10 games in a row so I think in the end it kind of worked out um, best for all of us best for all you listeners so we want to thank everybody that's downloaded listened passed it on to their mates um, and also people that have messaged us come up to us afterwards told us that they've really enjoyed the podcast we've had so many replies from people and so much really positive feedback from that we really appreciate that thank you very much for, uh, for checking it out yeah yeah Th- thanks for everyone to um, for, you know for saying those kind words we we have we didn't do the interview for a pat on the back and uh, it's something as Billy just explained it's something we've been trying to do for um, you know best part of half a season so it's just it wasn't about necessary timings it's just like you know it just when it worked out and as, as you said Bill it was probably better that we did it after a defeat and before the Wigan game so it, it gave it a little bit of balance you know if we'd have won four on the trot it would have looked like it was slightly contrived but I think anyone that's actually sat and listened to the two-part interview has kind of learned a little bit more about Thomas Frank and you know I'm, I'm really after listening back I'm really happy with the questions I'm really I'm really happy that we didn't give him necessarily an easy time and we didn't we weren't unrealistic with with giving him sort of questions he couldn't really answer so uh, you know we, we've worked hard um, you know to get the trust of the club in the years that we've been doing the fanzine and I think it just uh, it kind of cements that you know we we, we we try and we try and kind of take the middle ground and we, we're pretty rounded so I think Thomas came over really well um, you know, obviously English isn't his first language, so it's always slightly difficult. But I think it was it was a really good experience to get take him slightly out of his comfort zone, um, getting getting to answer some questions that you know the journalists don't really ask. And I, I think he he was honest, and I, I know he was just a really nice guy. And I, I I'll always remember the night. And for you, what was your favourite? Not the right word, but what was your sort of kind of most kind of eyebrow raising or the part of the podcast that that you remember the most i suppose eyebrow raising was uh, it's always going to be the the joe hardy comment i guess um which you know a lot of, a lot of people wouldn't have seen coming maybe some maybe some did um so yeah i for sure that i i thought the whole sorry and for people that didn't listen just say that show hardy comment was well, he basically, uh, when asked about when Thomas Frank, when Thomas Frank was asked about when Joe Hardy um, was going to make an appearance in the first team, he um, very, you know, explained that actually he felt rather than make an appearance in the first team, uh, Joe Hardy should look should be looking for another club, and he explained the reasons for that. Um, so, I, and I think that was quite. Uh, it, it came across as quite. Uh, we'd been, we'd had the whole interview, and and Thomas had been very cool and and. And, 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 and explained everything and that was quite sort of you know um, finite it was like a that is where it is uh, so so I think that quite I think that took us all a bit by surprise but I think it was all but I think what came across from it was his honesty and um, I'm sure he's had that conversation with Joe Hardy and you know it, it was just seemed a very honest appraisal of, of where he was he could easily have talked around that that one and just said oh yeah well you know we keep monitoring him and we'd like him to go out on loan but he was brutally honest with that I think we saw a bit of every side of Thomas Frank we, we saw his kind of like the family side he talked about um, we, we, we learned about him growing up we, we, we learned about um, his vision for the future we learned about um, how he's funny he's humble he's modest but he's, he can obviously make a decision and, he, and he, I thought that was quite brutal so 
Um, he's, he's, he's obviously well equipped for every every part of the game. He's very Brentford. And, and what was the most uh, again for you the moment that you remember most from that podcast? Um, it's, it's a really difficult one because I, I, I just found myself just kind of enthralled by him. To be honest with you, um, I just I, I, I thought he was very. Um, I just thought the fit with Brentford was just absolutely spot on. And I, I did notice you looking in his eyes. Yeah, you probably did, but he's a lovely guy. He really is a nice bloke. And for me, I mean, I thought that the Romain Sawyers moment, when uh, we asked about Romain Sawyers, and I thought he might have skirted around it, and he basically told you how much he missed Romain Sawyers. And I don't know if that kind of meant, you know, oh, I still want him. In effect, he, he would have loved him in the midfield, but he knew that the system was what it was, and he had to go. But I think that, you know, for him... Remain was the, one of the ideal players I think that he felt would have taken Brentford at this moment in time at this very moment in time probably to a higher level than where we are because the players that have come in to replace him are obviously taking a bit of time to actually get to that level and I think the other thing that people that have listened to it should, should understand was that, that, that those two podcasts were done in two cuts literally they, there was no editing there was nothing you know there, there was nobody from the club saying Oh, we got to do this. We got to take that out, or or whatever. That were they were two cuts, and you heard it as it literally as it went from A to B on both cuts. That's right. So anyway, listen. Um, also for us, and uh, if you don't mind, I mean, you know, we have been nominated for a football supporters association award. Um, these will be the Football Supports Federation. We've been nominated three times now. We've never won any time. So hopefully, maybe third time lucky, as we say. We'd be really grateful. It takes like. 20 seconds to go to besotted.com forward slash awards and you can vote for us in the best fan media category there's loads of other categories as well you don't have to fill them all in you can just vote for us you know maybe vote for one or two other people if you want to you can do that FSA awards besotted.com forward slash awards anyway we've got loads to talk about international breaks over we're getting excited about the game on Saturday which is Reading we're going to be talking about that a little bit later we've got Sim from the Tyler's end who's going to give giving us a little bit of a Reading lowdown but first of all because it's international break, we need to talk about international football and England and what's going on with Euro 2020. So we're talking about the international break and my guests in the studio here who have been chatting away, I thought we'd better let you know exactly who they are because we've got the Allard in the house. Allard, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, re- I'm good, Bill. I'm good. I'm very raring to go, I suppose. It's been a week and a half from football and I haven't done much football. I went to one non-league game and it was wet muddy and um, you know it was non-league it was it was alright and, and the Laney man Laney how are you I'm good mate I'm good mate uh, uh, yeah as, as, as the Allard says it's about time we got back to championship football get the uh, get the fixtures rolling over again we got an, an interesting run of run of games between now and Christmas so it uh, seems amazing that Christmas has come round again but yeah there's no no more international breaks this year a good international week yeah, it was. I didn't. I didn't do any football at all. I didn't go to any women's games. I, I, I was. I was gonna. I was gonna go. Um, you know. I think it's brilliant that the um, the FA announced the first uh, women's weekend during this during this window. And I think that's something that's uh, obviously hopefully gonna 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 grow in the years to come. You you, you took in a game, yeah? The Mal- yeah, I did. Yeah, I went to the North London derby on Sunday. Uh, went to New Tottenham Stadium, which probably has got a name, but I, I don't know whatever it is, White Hart Lane to whatever. I went to that. Thirty-eight thousand people there. It was brilliant. I took uh, Arsenal Tottenham, yeah. Yeah, Arsenal Tottenham, uh, or well, Tottenham Arsenal, and um, we took my. Um, my other half's niece with us, and she absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. She 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 played in her first football tournament, I think, on Thursday at school, 
and um, and they won that tournament. And then it was so cool that we had tickets to take her to see her, her first um, you know live experience of seeing football in a stadium like that. It was it was brilliant, and um, you know you can see kids getting hooked to football, and it's which is great. I just now need to get to come down to Brentford. I mean, you know, I'm all over the women's football. I took my daughter to England the week before the Wembley game, and England not doing so well since the World Cup. Um, there's a bit of a well, there's a bit of a little out, isn't there, going on with uh, with a couple of the England fans as well. Not a couple, quite a few of the England fans. So England not doing as well as necessary they should be. But look, you know, moving it forward though. But for myself, an international break as well, and uh, I actually ended up uh, <laughs> I went country hopping as I say, so I decided to go to uh, Eastern Europe. Left after the England game on Thursday night, so England game Thursday night, um, when they beat Montenegro, God knows how many, but they beat them by a lot. Got on a plane very early Friday morning and flew to Serbia, to Belgrade, as you do. And we flew out to Serbia, there was uh, three Beast fans, we got the soup, soup's out, um, puns, a um, couple of blades as well, Man United fan, um, you know, and uh, yeah, we went out to Serbia. Belgrade, my brother-in-law, like I said, he's Serbian. He sorted us out, all sorts of met all sorts of characters. It's quite funny as well. We, um, as you've seen, we've got the Brentford Old School T-shirts, which you can get on Besotted.com as well. So if you see the Brentford Old School T-shirts, we've got some specially one made up for Serbia with uh, the Brentford, and then it had Beograd, which is uh, in, in Cyrillic, in, in, in actually Serbian, saying Belgrade. Then it had a little red star logo on the sleeve as well. A lot of people go, oh no, half and half scars, but no. I know a lot of Brent, Serbian fans out there who are really happy with Brentford. They don't see it as a rival. They're very happy when I went out there last year. So we got that as well. And then we had a back on a little sort of flag put on there saying Serbian bees. So we went out there Friday night, went to Red Star Belgrade basketball match versus a French team as well. Leon, I think it was. Uh, hilarious. Walk inside the stadium. I'll get searched, as you do. The guy's going to me, have you got any coins? I'm like handing him all my coins. Like, there you go. I thought, take me coins, and then he'll put me through the machine, you know, and then afterwards he'll give them back to me. No, the guy takes about sort of five, six quid worth of my coins and just takes them, <laughs> puts them into a little box. Comp- twins, all the coins confiscate. I mean, you must have heard about that, you? Uh, well, I heard about it from you, yeah. I, 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 it, yeah, I guess it's the coin throwing. Yeah, right? Apparently, the, apparently, and I didn't know this before, at basketball matches, coin throwing at the players is a massive thing, so they actually have to take the coins off the off the of the, all the spectators before they're going in, there are riot police inside the stadium, right? You know, everywhere, like riot police everywhere. You know, I was with the Blaze, and they were really confused, going, "Why? Why is this happening?" And the, and the security guys going, "Because you know, well, that's crazy people in the place." And then we got in there, and basically there was just like singing in the corner, shirts off, people waving shirts, the whole place. Honestly, it was like some sort of raucous sort of kind of derby, not 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 Fulham, but you know, somewhere else. So it was really, a really quite a mad night and it was lovely going to another sporting event and just seeing it was basically almost like football transplanted onto a, a basketball arena. So, uh, so that, was quite, that was quite great. Went out to loads of different places, met loads of people. Um, on Saturday we went down to Red Star Belgrade's uh, Stadium. My brother in quite connected out there. So he got us a tour, Red Star Belgrade Stadium. It's great, we saw the whole history. Um, I spoke to Red Star TV. And I talked to them about the Brentford link with Dan Tanner. And they said to him, you know, back in the old school days, Dan Tanner, Brentford chairman, they were like, they were unbelievable. They thought this is unbelievable because he's still on the board of Red Star Belgrade. They showed me a photograph of him, you know, and they said he still comes down there. We're going to tell him next time we come, the Brentford fans are in. 
you know, but we, we saw, you know, got about a million trophies in their museum. We got taken around all the games that they played against all the big teams from the Tottenham's and, you know, just Man United game. You know, obviously they played them not, not 1958 when then unfortunately there was the, the crash as well. But it was, it was with Star Belgrade as the team that had played them at the time. So this is all encapsulated in the... In the uh, in the museum there, honestly, it was it was really 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 quite amazing. So, um, chatted to them. They were really friendly as well. I gave them one of our again handed out the shirts, the Serbian shirts, which went down remarkably well. And it's quite embarrassing as well because obviously I was, you know spent lots of time as lady knows me to make up these shirts. And the guy who was taking us down the tour guide, he looked at the shirts. He goes, "Oh, Brentford. Oh yes, bread. I love Brentford. Yes. Oh, Belgrade. Belgrade. Oh yes, that's great. Oh, Red Star. Oh yes." Yeah. And then he turned around the back. He goes, "Oh, Serbian beans." And I went, hey, what, what? He goes, oh, Serbian beans. I said, no, no, it's going to be bees. He goes, no, it says Serbian beans. <laughs> I took it off um, Google Translate, oh, and it translated it beans. <laughs> so, so all my mates were going, come on, you beans. <laughs> so that was quite bad. So, so with, the, with, with the Dan Tana connection, are they also claiming Cameron Diaz as a supporter? We did tell them that story as well, and they thought it was a. Uh, it was very quite interesting as well. I did. Uh, did, he, did he not remember the Brentford tour of 1981, where Terry Herlock's team under um, it was Fred Callahan, wasn't it? They would have gone out there and played in a. They played at the Red Star Belgrade Stadium. I, I, I forgot. I completely forgot about that because they they showed us they've got all the pennants of every team that's played there, or not every team, but lots of teams that have played there, and they always swap gifts and they've got really weird gifts. Like when they played in Australia, they got this koala bear. You know, that's given, and other people sort of give them ducks. Other people give them sort of quite good things, I trophies. Got, got that shitty little centenary bee. <laughs> that's right. You know, then we even got down and we actually went down on the pitch. So, again, we connected. So, we went down the pitch, we went on the side of the pitch, and then we went down the tunnel. Now, if you've not seen it as well, Red Star Girl Grade has got, I think, the longest tunnel in football. The tunnel, basically, the dressing rooms are at the back of the ground. And you come out the dressing room. So, we went there, the dressing rooms, and to go from the dressing rooms to the pitch side, it's this long tunnel. And it's got graffiti and everything like that. I think the graffiti's been sprayed so it's actually clean now. And uh, normally it's laden with riot police in this tunnel. So the players come out the dressing room and they walk down this tunnel. The tunnel is at least 90 seconds walk from one end to the next. And you're sort of going downhill towards the stadium. How many percent is that? That's about 78%, you know. And then you have to actually go, you actually go left and down underneath the tunnel, underneath the ground again, and then you come up. Because if you don't, you'd come up, and then basically the Red Star fans will absolutely, just as the Way fans, will just absolutely just pelt them with all sorts of stuff. S- sounds like Stevenage away. <laughs> it is. So uh, I'll put a little, I'll actually put a little uh, clip of the tunnel up on my Instagram. I don't use Instagram that much, but believe the B99 on Instagram, and it's got the little clip of us walking through the tunnel. But it was really, really interesting. I never knew anything about that before, but a lot of people did but real starboard grade was was wicked and then obviously the following morning got in a uh, a, a, a minibus seven of us got a minibus um down to kosovo now if you know anything about the relations between serbia and kosovo to find somebody to take you down the minibus is uh probably not the easiest thing in the world so uh we got on this minibus we've been up all night we hadn't slept at all we've been up all night and honestly people were literally were hanging puns and them lot they were all over the place and we drove cross country seven hours down to, to Kosovo um, with this driver called Speedy and uh, we decided by the end of it his name should be not very because he wasn't very speedy at all no, no sleeping you know all insomniacs yeah that's right yeah <laughs> 
That's right. So we went down to Kosovo and uh, we got inside there. Speedy uh, dropped us off and disappeared very quickly because he was scared because obviously the relationship between those two countries meant that he uh, he didn't want to hang around too long. And then uh, he was quite speedy at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah as fast as that I'd ever seen him. And then we uh, then we were in Kosovo. The, I tell you something, and as you know, I've been to lots and lots of England games. The friendliest place that I've been to, other than Japan, for football. The local Kosovans were absolutely brilliant. All the stories that are flying around, they're not lies at all. First of all, the, the Welcome Brothers, where they got the photographs of you know, three Black England players, and they said, Welcome Brothers. It was, they, made, they went out on a limb to basically say, we, we're, not, we're, not, we're not Bulgaria. You know, you know, we're not, we're not these other places. We're not these, you know, like Croatia. I'm not saying everyone in Croatia or Bulgaria are like that, but they went out their way to show um, what it's like. And a lot of people know, obviously, it has to do with the atrocities and the problems that they had with the war um, at the end of the 90s, 1999. Uh, and England had helped them out. And, and even inside the stadium, for five minutes, the Peter Gillam of Kosovo was telling everybody how grateful and happy they were to have England people and England fans here and England welcomed they just felt so grateful and honoured and they were so happy to have us there uh, because they helped them out and basically got them independence is what they said so really 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 interesting trip the Kosovans are the loveliest people in the world so much so I'll go back there you know next week or the week afterwards and uh, you know the game was you know we won the game they didn't care you know they were just happy that we were there after the match, we went inside the bars. Kosovans were buying us drinks left, right and centre. We were up on the tables dancing and singing. They were singing to their local songs. They were playing things like Boney M, which is like the Harry Kane song. And they were all singing along to it. Honestly, it was an absolutely, and it was brilliant. And that will never, a lot of stuff doesn't make the press. England away, everyone always slags it off and says, oh, you know, it was full of these characters, it's moody. But trust me, it was absolutely brilliant. Anyway, enough of all that. How much was a pint of beer? Uh, about, about anywhere between a pound and uh, I think the most when it was really expensive in Serbia is £2.50. I think we paid for a, for a pint as well. Now, but ser- seriously, though, th- th- those kind of road trips are, are just incredible. Those Eastern European road trips. I, I, I go, I went, when I actually was going to England away, I went to um, Ukraine for one of the World Cup qualifiers and we, we drove from Kiev to some place it's about seven hours drive and we, we drove past Chernobyl we went past all kinds of weird and wonderful farms and you kind of see a, a, a world that doesn't really exist anymore in in the west of Europe and it's, it's incredible to see and I think you know I, hats off to you for going and I, I'm kind of a little bit envious and not not for the football itself but the trip I think I think you know, any, any kind any kind of like experience of seeing different different ways of life it's just it's just brilliant it is as well and and, 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 and there's a couple of things as well that really made me because you know obviously we've been talking about scenarios recently and people just embracing people and the interesting thing is that you know there is a, a vibe that goes around you know in England but what the Kosovans were lovely and everybody embraced them okay but I just got to make a little point did you know that Kosovo is 90 I think it's about 98% Muslim 
Um, I did, only but, but only because of like the the ethnic cleansing, the Shebrenica and um, yeah, they, they were the um, Kosovo and Alb- Albanians, and there, there was a lot of ethnic cl- cleansing. So I, I I kind of did know. I wouldn't I wouldn't have said it was ninety eight percent. I wouldn't have known that, but I knew it was. I knew it. There were it was a heavy heavily Muslim community. Yeah, and I'm only making the point because what I'm trying to say to you is that it's kind of like the positivity that is shown towards the Kosovans, you know. Uh, I thought it was really, I mean, I thought it was just fantastic. Um, and I just think that um, I would love that same sort of positivity to be shown to all Muslims, you know what I'm saying? You know, as opposed to sort of kind of sort of sectioning out which, you know, Muslim communities that you're going to wave your fist at and the other ones that you're not going to. But you know, I'm just, it was just a little point that was one of the points of discussion because we, we were talking to a lot of Kosovans and they were talking about a lot of issues about saying how they wanted to move on. Even though they've got the issue between them and Serbia and all sorts of stuff, they're saying, look, we're a new country. You know, a lot of us, we're Albanians as such. We've had a lot of shit, basically. We want to move on. Our politicians don't want us to move on, so they've carried on the shit, but we want to move on with our own lives. We have, because we've seen a lot of shit, we respect everybody. Everybody, you know, I think they've got six stars or something like that on their flag, and they represent all the sort of kind of minority groups within, you know, the country, including Serbs as well. You know, so they're saying we respect everybody um, because we know what it's like to be persecuted. So I think it's a really refreshing approach that they've got. Um, and I was, I felt so comfortable there and so happy to be there amongst them. And there were such a lovely bunch of people. And I think that in general, around the world, people could learn from places like Kosovo who've had a really hard time. But the positive that's come out of it is quite amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it, it said, you know, as, as you're just saying, you're, you're alluding to, they've been through that absolute hell, you know, stuff that we couldn't even begin to dream about. But they're really welcoming and open and ready to draw a line under a lot of it and kind of open open different cultures with open arms. So, yeah, I, I really regret missing out on that one. So, I mean, so coming back to Euro 2020, obviously England have qualified now. They beat Montenegro, so they qualified. Uh, Kosovo as well, they beat them. Unfortunately, they have to go into the playoffs. Um, a lot of England fans said they would have loved them to be in the Euros. Now, a lot of people may not know, like said, most of the Euros, and we've discussed this beforehand, England are going to be actually at Wembley Stadium. So if you want to go to the Euros, you need to kind of keep your eyes peeled as how you're going to kind of get involved in that because three, all three group matches are going to be at Wembley. There's going to be a couple away then, semi-final and final, all at Wembley Stadium. So there's going to be a bit of a bun rush for tickets because you know what it's going to be like. It's going to come up upon you then everyone's going to be running around trying to get older tickets for that. It looks like um, from the matches all be finished off, the group that England will be in will include one team from... Switzerland, Croatia, Poland or France. Then one team from Turkey, Austria, Sweden, Czech Republic or Portugal. And then one from either the playoff game, which is Scotland, Norway, Serbia, Bulgaria. Or it could be Israel or Romania. So in principle, England could play, be in a group with France, Portugal, Scotland. uh, Actually, probably not Scotland. um, Serbia. And uh, yeah, in Serbia, you know, or maybe Israel. So that's Serbia in twice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that, that could be quite interesting. So it, it may not be as easier a ride as we may think it's going to be, but it could be quite exciting. The Euros, don't you think? Yeah, it could be. I mean, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I, I, I like the format. That it's, it's, it's here, there, and everywhere. It's probably not here, there, and everywhere for us as much as it could be for other nations. Uh, I, I missed Euro '96 completely and utterly. I, I didn't apply for tickets, but I went to um, the 2001 in Belgium and Holland, and then I went to the one in, in Portugal. 
Um, so I've, I've done my Euros. Uh, this one, I just think it, this this one's based for TV. I think I think we're lucky that it's going to be up the road from us. But for a lot of nations, it's it's, it's actually it's, it's the fact it's not for the fans. So uh, uh, we we could go a long way in this. There's a lot of people like singing out singing England's praises. Um, it's a really exciting attacking team. I thought Kosovo over those two games were really impressive. You know, as a Brentford fan, you know you could kind of really appreciate what they were trying to do. You know, they 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 were up against a really you know an incredible team full of uh, full of like amazing attacking potential. But they actually just tried to stick about their game plan. They kept the ball on the ground, and they and they and they just cracked on playing really good football. And I, and I think. You know, good luck to them in the playoffs. I don't think they'll get through to the the actual finals themselves, but it's a team with a very small population that are playing some great stuff. So, good luck to them. And they're in a playoff um, group, including Georgia, North Macedonia, and Belarus. So they could actually play North Macedonia, which is uh, Skopje, which we actually was the third country we went to after we left uh, Pristina, which is in Kosovo. We went across to Macedonia there as well. And uh, I was saying to Laney, I said, "I'm not being funny. I so enjoyed my trip." If they get Macedonia in the playoff, I may actually have to go over there for it because it's going to be a right laugh. Um, the Allod. That actually sounds like my sort of trip. So, um, yeah, just um, keep, keep me updated on that, Bill. And obviously the other international news that's come out this week is England are going to play Denmark in, in March at Wembley. So a proper club versus country dilemma there. We've obviously had, with, I've looked at Twitter, there's obviously some bees already have said that They'll, they're gonna, they want a weigh-in ticket, so club wins over country. Um, it's just like it's a real, it's a real like head scratcher. Do you want, do you want Brentford players? Who, well, it's assuming Dalsgaard will be a Brentford player still next next season. Do you want Brentford players? You going to go and support them or Chelsea's B team? I'm, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. I mean, I know exactly which camp I'm going to be in, but it's going to be good to be in a stadium where uh, where you've got where you're playing against Brentford players because you can tell all your mates as well you know oh he plays for us like you know which is quite nice almost had that feeling at the world cup semi-final in russia where denmark was so close to playing england in the world cup semi-final they were like a a whisker away which is a bit of a shame but we've not been this excited about like brentford players being in international since herman herideson played for iceland and we we all went out to france peter gillam and his lot and it was like the Basotti crew. We all shared the Eurostar out to Paris. Saw Herman Horaidison get turned over by by the French. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I missed that trip, unfortunately. But you know, but I heard it was a very, very good trip. But it's interesting, just Laney, you said about this uh, tournament, and you didn't feel it was uh, for the fans. It's for the TV. Yes, you can understand it was a bit of a, a strange format. But I have to let you know. As people are starting to get their heads around it. People have already started to book flights and hotels because what's happened is now. You've got a couple of away games, so everyone's going hell for leather on those games. If you get through, like England, if they get through, they're going to play in Dublin, then they're going to play in Rome. So people have already booked hotels, some people have already booked flights for that as well. And they know, instead of us going for three weeks, we know we can just go mad for like three days in Dublin. So actually people are really getting ready for this one. So it could be really, really interesting. People just want to know about the tickets, like you say, just quickly. The um, tickets for the Denmark game that Laney talked about. If you remember the England Travel Club, I think they go on sale on the 20. 20- Second, uh, they go yeah in a couple of days' time. In uh, Friday, I think they go for a few days, and then after that, if you are just a, a member, a regular member of England, um, which means that you don't pay anything for that, then you can get um, a chance to get tickets as well. 
They're really cheap. They're only 20 quid as well. It's cheaper to get there than it is to get to, I have to say, Brentford or most championship clubs and definitely cheaper than Sheffield Wednesday and all these other places as well. So it's definitely worth it. And also, um, I was there for Euro 96 and I have to say, even though the atmosphere at Wembley sometimes can be a bit touch and go, at Euro 96, the atmosphere at Wembley was absolutely wicked. So uh, I think things change when it's a tournament. But listen, we've got loads of other things that we want to talk about as well. So we're going to come back and we're going to talk about international bees. International bees. I mean, listen, Brentford, as you know, steeped whoa, in West... Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a minute, mate. Stop press. What's going on? There's, um, there's a bit of a shenanigans going on on the old um, Arrival podcast of ours. What, tell, tell us exactly well, what this is about. Apparently, Richard Osman, you know that giant apeth of a man? Beanpole. Beanpole. He's, um, he's, he's, he's done a bit of uh, early doors bants before the, uh, the, the Brentford-Fulham fixture. Okay, so ex- what exactly has he been saying this time? Because a lot of the things that he says are a bit pointless. He's, well, if he said we were pointless, I, I thought it would actually have been quite funny. But he said we were irrelevant. This, he said it was a manufactured rivalry and Fulham's real rivals were QPR. And he, and he said we manufactured bees up Fulham down as well, didn't he? Well, manufactured, you know, we, we sang it. It was a, well, that, that, we manufactured it. But how can you... Ma- okay, so the first question I want to say to you, so he says that we're irrelevant. So, so, so this was on the Fulhamish pod, as I understand. Is that right? I think, um, yeah, so he's, he's basically said that Brentford are irrelevant. I don't know if he meant to him or to Fulham. I think he meant to Fulham. Interesting one. I, I think we need to... What we need to really investigate, and I've already sent this out there to the Fulhamish pod, is when did Richard Osman actually start going to watch Fulham play? Because I think if we look at his, his credentials, um, does he, he come from somewhere in Essex? Is it? No, Haywards Heath. Born in Essex. In, oh, is it born yeah, in yeah, Essex? I think he's born in Essex and then he lived in Haywards Heath. And maybe he was, you know, was travelling up to Fulham in yeah, the 90s. Well, in the Premier League days, you mean? Well, no, I'm saying, obviously, when he was in Haywards Heath, this was before the Premier League days, and I think he went off, did he go off to Cambridge for a holiday or something? It was like Crawley territory, surely, if if anything. Um, He he obviously didn't realise that Fulham were getting 3,200 fans at the cottage and Brentford were turning them over every time they rocked up. You can guarantee you that he was not there for the 4-0 drubbing, you know, when, uh, when we beat them and we went up to the Division 1 at the time. No, he was probably running around with a silver spoon somewhere. <laughs> and also he said we manufactured bees up, Fulham down. Now the question, I mean, you, you sort of mentioned, how could we manufacture bees up, Fulham down? How could we manufacture being promoted and then being relegated? I mean, it's, it's almost like we, we, we made them, it's fact, I'm saying. This, this is what he doesn't, obviously he just doesn't quite get it. He's either that, or he's just erased it from his memory banks. Like, no, we did not actually get relegated. Maybe, maybe that's where the Michael Jackson statue went. Maybe he, he bought it. Maybe he did. So Richard Osman, like I said to you, Brentford are irrelevant. Maybe we are relevant. So when we play you in, what's it, three weeks' time, you're coming down to, to Griffin Park, maybe we'll see exactly how irrelevant we are. Yeah, pop, pop down. and We've, uh, we've, we've got a gi- giraffe enclosure in the globe. <laughs> That's right, we could put him in, we could put him in the garden. Right? It's over the globe. We get him to get a couple, a couple of lamps up there as well. We've actually, actually, we're sitting here and they've got like a little atrium with a little, a little glass roof here in the globe at the back. I'm sure they could open the roof and he could stick his head up the top. You know? <laughs> and then he could, he could stand with the rest of us if he wants to drink and put his head down. Well, that's, that's why Fulham are going to leave Griffin Park pointless. <laughs> Indeed. 
So coming back again after that pointless debate to international bees. Now, the reason why I have to talk about this is that we know that Brentford, steeped in West London history, small team in West London, but as we've noticed, particularly over the past few years, we've had bees from all over the place who come down to watch us play, and uh, they, they get really excited about coming down. Uh, we've had, we, we know people from Norway, from Sweden, from Denmark, from Germany, you know, from Dutch. Yeah, Dutch, Dutch bees, you know, people coming over from Hong Kong, people from America, you know, I've had American bees as well that, you know, that, that they're checking us out. Honestly, there are people from all over the place and their passion for the bees is actually quite scary because you sort of think, you know, maybe it should be like, as you talk about Richard Osman, you know, like the Fulham fans when they pull in these kind of neutrals and but they don't really seem to have the excitement. They just sort of seem to turn up to, to watch a bit of it at the time, a bit of Premier League football, and then they disappear again. But these people are really excited about seeing the terracing, seeing the old-fashioned um, um, stadium, coming to the pubs, meeting characters and drinking with them, which is really, I think is fantastic. But then all of a sudden it's like, out of this little realm, we, we've sort of noticed recently that there's, there seems to be other bees popping up, which I had no idea there were Brentford fans in these areas. So I got a message from uh, Yehuda and Konia, I think his name is, Yehuda and Konia as well. And he said, you know, hey, Billy, yeah, great to, to chat to you. I'll be waiting for the podcast every week. Yours, Brentford's number one fan in Israel. And I'm just like, well, number one fan in Israel? We've got, we got bees in Israel as well. So I'm just wondering how big the Brentford supporters group is in Israel. But, I mean, this is fantastic. We've got Dubai bees as well, Hong Kong bees as well. Yeah, we've got Turkish bees as well, as we know about. So we've got all these different areas. But, you know, so you do it as a number one fan in Israel. And then also you know about the bees from Marseille that we went out and visited them. And they also got some specially made merchandise recently as well, didn't they, Lainey? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, I, I, did a, I did a limited edition kind of Marseille blue... Uh, t-shirt with Brentford uh, the old school Brentford logo across the middle and then and Marseille underneath it and they they loved them absolutely loved them and uh, you know even when I went to the African Cup of Nations in, in, in Egypt back in the, in the summer there were there were people that were coming up to us because in our Brentford shirts and just like they were really aware of, of, of us now so you know you, you forget that being up in the upper echelons of the championship a top 10 championship team you, you your profile gets completely and utterly ballooned up and uh, you know we, we're on the world map again, and it, it's incredible to see. I mean, and, and we're saying, you know, like we had a we had a, the captain of Denmark and the captain of Sweden this week were both Brentford players. You, I never thought that would happen in my in, in my lifetime. And that's Dalsgaard for Denmark and Pontus Janssen for Sweden as well. You know as well. And that's also Frank and Stan with the Marseille fans as well, who were only over here a few weeks ago as well. They come over quite a lot, don't they? That was the last time I ate octopus quiche was uh, at their house. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. That might be uh, having to be put on the on the back burner anyway as well. And also, like I said, you have really, and I talked the story about I've been out in Serbia as well, and because I went out there for my brother-in-law's wedding last year, and I gave out a few B-shirts at his wedding, and apparently. He said afterwards, everyone's talking about Brentford. They're talking about Brentford. So that's why I went back and bought some shirts. So you've got the Serbian B connection as well. So uh, like I said to you, all sorts of different areas. But something that really started to shock me as well, because we got a new set of stats just come in recently on the Besotted podcast. And I thought, let me have a little ping on air. And let me just have a little look to see where people are listening. And I was absolutely gobsmacked to find out that we were actually number 58 in the sports charts in Vietnam. <laughs> wow. 
Vietnam. We're the 58th most popular sports podcast in Vietnam. And this was over sort of kind of the Totally Football Show, the Football Ramble, you know, even above the, I think, above the, possibly over the Liverpool one as well. There's quite a few, you know, um, the Anfield Rap. There's quite a few big podcasts in there, and we were bigger than in Vietnam. So we, what? We've been, we're going for the 19 slot at some stage. Possibly. We're going to keep going for the 19 slot. We keep pushing for that. But, um, I mean, what I want to know is that... <laughs> Any Vietnam bees out there, please write into us whether or not it's email at besotted1992 at gmail.com or if you, you know, direct message us or tweet us on at besotted or on Facebook as well. We just want to hear from you, you know, because not only were we 58th in Vietnam, we also peaked at number 48 on Spotify in Indonesia. <laughs> I'm saying as well. So we got to seem to have a sort of Southeast Asian bees thing going on as well. Um, we're also uh, 88 in Apple on, in Nepal as well <laughs> and uh, I mean not so good but you know still great you know we were still in the top 200 in Lebanon as well so you know and these are I mean, there's probably other charts that are out there as well but those are the ones that I've got I, apart from the fact that it does sound like somebody on a bit of a gap year tour um, you know stopping off all these places I think I, I might be able to take some of the credit for Nepal because I actually lost my Brentford um, when I went to Nepal and did a trek around the Annapurna circuit and over the Thurongla Pass I lost my Brentford hat during that um, during that trip, so possibly that has you know motivated someone to become a Brentford supporter. I reckon that we picked up a lot of Nepalese during the um, Sherpa van trophy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and, and, and the thing is that they're so loyal; they've stuck with us all the way through. And if anyone has found that Brentford hat, I'd love to have it back. So listen, what I'm going to say to you is that I mean these are only some of the areas. There must be more areas. If there's anyone from any of these different regions out there as a Brentford fan please just get in touch of us we'll, we'll put something in the information um, um, slot here as well on the podcast so you can get in touch with us because we want to know because if we if we can find enough people in Vietnam you know bees fans we, we'll come over there and we'll do it we'll do it we'll do it it's like social wouldn't we bang up for that mate <laughs> properly up for that one so, so there you go. We'll come over and do a live broadcast in, uh, in Vietnam. You know, if you, anyone who wants to come over, we well, can come as well. We've been to Nam before, but it's Twickenham. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, listen. This is what for all the international bees out there. We say, come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. We're going to talk about a match on Saturday. We've got Reading coming to town. They may have some international fans. Probably not that as many as us. But we're going to talk. They're Royals, aren't they? Which they've not had a good week, have they? The old Royals. No, haven't had the greatest week, not at all. Sim from the Tylerst end is going to tell us how bad a week the Royals have had this week. I'm Simeon Pickup, editor of the Tylerst end. We're a fan website that covers everything to do with running, opinion, analysis, match coverage, and plenty more besides. This season has been pretty odd so far to be honest we were going into it um, pretty hopeful pretty optimistic after a um, very free spending summer Um, in fact we broke our transfer record quite heavily to bring in George Puskas at the the beginning of August uh, to bring him for about 7.5 million pounds which is um, unprecedented for this club so really got us excited and after a slow start it looked like we were getting on quite well Um, had a really good week um, getting a win over Huddersfield, a win over Cardiff as well and drawing away to West Brom which going by their form is no mean feat but since then it just started to fall off 
um, under Jose Gomez really. Teams found it easier to play against us. We weren't moving the ball quickly enough. We weren't aggressive enough off the ball. And all in all, there were just some problems mounting up for him, which really started to hold the team back. We weren't getting wins at all. I don't think we were playing um, so badly as to be a, a bottom three side as we were uh, in the table when Jose Gomez was eventually sacked, but we just weren't good enough for getting wins. Simply put, we were getting edged out too regularly, and in the end, the owners took the decision to to get rid of Jose Gomez and replace him with Mark Bowen, the sporting director. That was a decision that really angered people at the time. A lot of Reading fans were really frustrated by it because it seemed like Mark Bowen had essentially snaked Jose Gomez, taken his job uh, from behind his back. Um, but he soon denied that and he seemed very um, very upset at the allegations and we moved on quite quickly actually and certainly moved on quickly because of some really good form that he's been able to, to demonstrate in the last couple of weeks since he came in. Um, Reading look a lot more aggressive off the ball, we're working a lot harder, defensively we're a lot more solid and um, in the final third we're scoring the, the chances that we weren't able to under Jose Gomez which is a source of real frustration um, and I guess all in all it just feels like a team that's a lot more awkward to play against, a lot more difficult to play against from the opposition and that's shown particularly by opposition teams often having, often having to make fairly early substitutions in the game to try and counter what we're doing whereas um, under Jose Gomez far too often we trailed quite early and weren't able to get back into game so at least from that point of view it's um, there's been a, a really big switch despite that kind of um, I guess throughout the season there's been some players that have really impressed um, Ovia Jar and John Swift in particular two young really creative positive um, attacking midfielders they've been putting in the kind of confident performances that you wouldn't really expect from a team that's been struggling at the bottom of the table for, for most of the season. Ajari in particular with his very confident, strong dribbling ability from deep really gives us that extra dimension. And John Swift's ability on the ball has been it's been refreshing, it's been brilliant to watch at times, particularly with a, a Rabona assist for Lucas Boyer in the League Cup at, Le uh, uh, at Wolves, which was, which was really eye-catching, really great to see. Um... And I know, of course, he's a um, he's a player that Brentford fans like to to keep an eye on because he obviously had a bit of um, a bit of history at Griffin Park. But he's someone who, from a Reading point of view, has not really properly shown his potential for the last couple of years since he joined. Um, he's someone who we always knew he was very talented, very very good on the ball, very creative on his day. But he'd never really shown proper extended form over the course of the season. Obviously, it's too early to to be talking about a really good campaign at this point in the season for him but he certainly started it really well and he's um, also shown that he can adapt to a positional change he was often playing playing quite high up the pitch under Jose Gomez is a bit more of a number 10 but Mark Bowen has brought him back into the midfield further back um, towards the defence so he can get on the ball more and dictate play and really play the kind of passes that allow you to, to dominate the flow of a game um, also, also we've got um, George Puskas uh, up top, who I touched on earlier. It's been a very um, interesting first couple of weeks for him in English football. He joined Inter Milan in the summer for 
for a lot of money and we were expecting and hoping him to really hit the ground running and be scoring goals regularly. It looked like he was going to do that with a, an early goal against Wickham in the League Cup um, and he got two in front of the Sky cameras against Cardiff City as well which really announced him to English football but then he's um, he just dropped off really hardly in terms of his confidence in front of goal. He was missing a lot of really easy chances um, kind of like from a couple of yards out when you really expect him to um, to bury them and it was clear that his confidence wasn't quite there he was not fully settled in English football he did get a first goal under Bowen at QPR a couple of weeks ago which which will have helped but all in all he does need to just get that that little bit of luck in front of goal bury one or two then I'm sure the goals will start flowing whether that's going to start this side of Christmas or after in the new year is um, is obviously to be seen but it's certainly um, he's certainly a player with a lot of potential and when he does start hitting form then he's really going to be a um, a troublesome player for opposition defences to worry about going to Griffin Park is always a, um, a big occasion in the Reading calendar we don't have many um, local teams to play against Wickham was a, a big one for us because it's a it's essentially the closest thing to a local derby we have. Um, but in the league, being able to go to a West London side is our big day out, essentially. It's the, it's the day when a lot of fans go and a lot of fans are left disappointed by not being able to, by not being able to get a ticket, and that's certainly the case this season. Griffin Park's always a stadium I look forward to going to. It's one of those old-fashioned um, grounds that you really kind of relish uh, in the atmosphere and really enjoy the, the just the just the atmosphere of an old stadium which obviously Reading fans haven't had for, for quite a while now. In terms of results we've had against Brentford over the last couple of years it's been um, it's been a mixed bag. Certainly I remember one game at Griffin Park a couple of years ago where we lost 4-1. Really weren't particularly good that day at all back in the 16-17 season but it was one of those bizarre um, seasons where we were losing heavily at places like yourself, Fulham as well, um, Newcastle as well, but still managed to get to third in the table. Um, otherwise, a really good 3-1 win uh, from the season before where Nick Blackman scored a, a really good free kick and then a penalty in front of the away fans certainly stands out. Um, but it does just show that this tie can go either way. It, there's often a lot of goals in it and it could be a comfortable Reading win, it could be a comfortable Brentford win, it could be a high-scoring draw. You can't predict this kind of tie and it really does just make it more enjoyable. In terms of our approach for the game, I expect Reading to be very aggressive, to work really hard. Not to try and have too much of the ball, but to try and sit back a little bit, absorb a bit of pressure from what you're putting towards us and then nick it and hit you on the counter. We do have the pace, we do have the players who are really confident with dribbling up the pitch and getting at you, particularly Andy Yeardom at right wing back, Andy Brynham Hote in the middle of your Jaria as well. And if we can really um, create some space for them to run at you, I think we'll really cause you problems. But Reading is still very much a team in progress. Um, Mark Bowen is a new manager and if Brentford have been able to um, work out how we're playing and um, exploit our weaknesses and I do think we're not quite clinical enough in front of goal there's still more work to um, really get us firing in the final third 
then there could be um, could be problems for us and you could make things really difficult. That said, on the whole, I think we've got enough to um, to get a score draw, which I think we'd be really happy with. It'd be good progress for us after not picking up um, points that frequently before the international break under Gomez at all. So um, hopefully um, we can get that score draw. I'm thinking 2-2 two, two, and we'll go home happy. Cheers. That was Sim from the Tyler End and the Bees. I'll be taking on Reading on Saturday. It's a big, big game for us. Again, Ealing Road. You can tell when Ealing Road sells out with about a week to go, you know that things are happening because, you know, we haven't sold out, you know, um, matches consecutively for quite a while. So there's obviously a bit of a buzz going around. And uh, Brentford uh, said, you know, they're third in the current form table at the moment now. So we need to keep this momentum going. So Reading coming to Griffin Park um, they didn't have the best start to the season but they've changed a few things and uh, at the moment now they're again when it comes to current form they're looking alright they're in the top 10 of the current form table so they're a side that can cause damage they've had a couple of good games where uh, they've actually done some, some very good things as well and uh, like I said Sims told us exactly what we could be looking out for with Reading we've obviously got a few issues as well but let's just look at the Reading team and then we can see exactly how Brentford are going to be dealing with them. I mean, they're good at creating long shot opportunities. Very good at that. They're also very good at protecting the lead, so we must not go behind. They also create storing chances. They're very good at doing that as well. And counter-attacking, they're good at that as well. Individual skills, so they've got some good players, as we know. Obviously, they spent some money, you know, playing like Puskas and people like that. You know, they spent some money. Shooting from direct free kicks, so we don't want to give that away. And defending set pieces, they're good at that as well. But what they're not good at is finishing scoring chances. So, you know, they're creating the chances, uh, but they're not scoring them. And also down the wings, defending against the wings, they're not good at that. Defending against long shots, they're not good at that. And also skillful players defending against them, they're very weak. The good thing is, well, they're not aggressive. We've had quite a few aggressive teams we played against recently, but they're not aggressive. Um, they play a lot in their own half as well. They take a lot of shots and they like short passes. So that's the Reading profile. How do you think that suits us in the run into this game? suits us very well it, it looks like it's going to be a, a very good game of football with two teams that want to play the right way um, you know from what you've just outlined there Bill it, it, it gives us a lot of hope that you know we, we have got um, skillful players we will be relying on people like Ben Rama to, to step up to the plate Ollie Watkins um, they, they, you know we've got we've got you know Mbwemo um, needs to be on his A game Offensively, we need to be as good as we can be and, and it gives us a chance. We need to create chances, we need to take chances. So, you know, we know, we know, we know where we're weak. You know, some, some games we can not, not convert chances. You know, we, we can have a lot of possession and, and, and we can um, pepper the opposition's goal but look like we're not going to score in a month of Sundays. That's not really happened recently, or not, certainly not in the last five or six games. So, well, sorry, four or five games. So we, we need to just continue where we left off and hope the international break doesn't, doesn't disrupt us too much. You know, we are going to be missing one or two players, so we're not going to be at our full strength. But, you know, we, we do have to rotate. We, we, we can't go through the whole season relying on the same 11 or 12 players. Um, and we, we have got injuries, you know, obviously, you know, Canos is out for a while. And, uh, you know, there's one or two others that are just, you know, just 
not where we want them to be. So, we, so Thomas Frank has got some selection issues. Um, it's good that it seems that the internationals come back fit. I think Pontus Janssen, there was a there was a, an issue with him in training, and he, he missed a couple of sessions. But obviously, he was captain the other night, uh, and he and he came through that. So, uh, you know, more, most importantly, you know, he's going to be there, um, and I, I think you know he's pivotal in in that defence at the moment. So I'm hopeful. You know, I'm not going to say nailed on. You know, win. I'm not going to go three, four nil win, but if we can get a notice in front, if we don't concede first, uh, I think it's important we don't concede first. In fact, uh, if we if we can go one up, we can go on to win this game. You know, two or three, and you know, it's just it just depends on how how watertight our 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 back and our defence is going to be. So, you know, it could be two or three one. It could it could be a one nil defeat if they score first. I think um, it's. I think what's interesting is that, in a way, the team kind of picks itself because we've got uh, Norgard is suspended, right, for a game. Jean Vier is suspended for three games. So, you know, the back four, you assume Pinnock comes in, so Rico Henry, Pinnock, uh, Janssen and Dowsgaard. Then you've got your three midfielders, and I guess if we lose Norgard, Makocho can play deeper, and then it's De Silva. I mean, it sounds like Reading aren't good at defending long shots, so De Silva sounds a perfect player for that. And then, it, and then it's Jorgensen, I, I would assume. Um, and then, you know, and then, then the front three, again, they pick themselves, don't they? Watkins, Ben Rama, um, Wemo. But after that, you know, the next one in the team is probably Zambrick. So we are, we're almost down to the bare bones on Saturday. Um, we don't need any injuries in the, in the you know, in the build-up to the game. We don't need any bloody calf strains or hamstrings or whatever. We need, you know, we, I feel like we've got our 11 more or less. Um, and if we don't play that 11, we're, we're starting to question, you know, how the team lines up. Yeah, I mean, if, if Dalsgaard and Janssen came back from international duty, I mean, they might come back knackered, who knows? But if they if they'd come back knackered and, and or slightly injured, it makes you wonder, you know, where, where we go to next. You know, Josh Clark is is actually, you know, he certainly he might well, make an appearance off the bench. I think he's injured, though, isn't he? Because he got injured in the B-team game. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, he's disappeared off the radar again in the last few weeks. He's hardly been on the radar all season, so I'm not even sure that that's an option. I mean, Reading, you know, if you look at their results, like I said, 3-0 three, they beat Luton. I mean, Luton at the moment now, they're in free fall. So you could take that as it is. I mean, it's a good result for them to, to get the goals there. They beat Millwall 2-1 as well. Drew 2 all QPR. But I mean, good result. They beat Preston 1-0 at home as well, obviously in the middle of Preston's uh, very good run there. So that was a, an excellent result from them. Uh, I think that must have been the first uh, result after their... So that might be the new manager bounce as well for them because as you may or may not know um, Mark Bowen took over as manager after being basically he interviewed himself he was the sporting director for Reading and then he said oh, I need to find a new manager and then he spoke to himself and said ah oh, would you like to be manager and he went yes are you right and, and he was a sporting director of Reading who didn't know the manager was being sacked which seems a bit odd <laughs> yeah that's right so you look into that what you what you want to do so but they, they like I said you certainly picked up a little bit and uh, they're not a team to, to, to be messed around with. Um, we talked about the players that we've got out. We've got the players that we've got in. Like I said to you, Ben Rama as well. I mean, Ben Rama was, uh, he was out injured as well, wasn't he, towards the back end of uh, the international window. So, uh, again, we could be, you know, we could be in sort of dicey territory here. Yeah, he missed the last game, didn't he? I think it was a hand, it was slight, a slight 
hamstring injury. So you know you, you, you've you've got a hope. Sorry, yeah, we get the Wigan game. Um, you've got a hope that that you know his slight hamstring is um is slight. Um, and, and the other thing I should say is that for those that are confused, when I said Jorgensen and I was getting my sons mixed up, I meant Jensen obviously as the as the other midfielder, um, which no one picked me up on sitting around the table. So, so I mean, so I mean, Reading coming down on on Saturday. We've got the Reading coming down on Saturday, and uh, as you can tell, we're all a little bit tentative here. We've had a couple of weeks off. We've got a few injuries. We were on a fantastic run. To be fair, the international window probably came at the wrong time for us. But saying that, then because of the injuries and the suspensions, um, well, they're suspended anyway. Maybe it came at the right time for us to regroup and bring new players in and let them actually understand the patterns of play. Reading on Saturday. Let's go out on a limb here. I'm going to go around the table to see where you think we're going to be and how we're going to go with this match. Oh, Bill, you bastard. Um, you know, I just, it's just not easy because, like, the last two international windows, we've, we've, we've been, like, Jackal and Hyde. Like, the, the, the one before this one, we were awful. And the one, this one, we were, we've been great. Or the one before that, we were awful. And, and it... Oh, it just really depends how they cross that line and what, whether they're up for it. Now, I, I think um, I think we're back back to winning ways. Um, it's not going to be a romp in the park. It's going to be a narrow win, but it will be a win. I'm going to go two one bees. The Allard. I think I'm going to actually say one all. I think that there's enough disruption at the moment with injuries and suspensions that we're not going to come out of the blocks absolutely flying on. Saturday and um, yeah one all and for myself I'm going to go tight again I think we're going to keep it tight at the back no goals let in but we're going to be tight with a 1-0 win to the Mighty Bees so uh, that's all positive again isn't it No, it's, it's amazing what an international window will do for you isn't it you've done, you've done a few miles mate so yeah you must be glad to be back at home and ready for the Bees again I'm absolutely potty for it as they say but this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast don't forget to vote for us at besotted.com forward slash awards the best um, fan media group as well and also pride you can check us out after the match on Saturday and also on Monday the radio show 8 till 9 pride but we've got Reading coming down international break is over we're very very happy to be back and we get very excited as we say come on you don't forget we're irrelevant yes pointless Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.